This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. We we don't like to make a big deal, but we just do make a big deal uh, out of the fact that Shag and I are bumping along in life. Like, everything's perfect and awesome, but, yeah, like, some things are the absolute perfectness. <laughs> but, like, you know, zoom out, everything's fucking perfect, and I fucking... The point I'm coming to, right, is I was reflecting on this earlier today, and, you know, there are people who look out for your mental health and they say things, and I was like, well... If I'm going to burn out, then I'm going to burn the fuck out doing a horror show podcast with my best friend of 25 years. So, Shag, let's burn the fuck out of this thing. If this is my last moment of mental health, I'm going to play the violin on the sinking Titanic. <laughs> Peace out to my own sanity. This is how we go out. Like, and what majesty has Spooko got for us today? I can't wait. Here's the deal. We are best friends because we are mm. so in sync, even when we're not in sync. You know, mm. we haven't really spoken since the last couple of episodes we recorded, but mm. I have had a mental health week. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so, but the one thing, when you are having a mental health week, what mm. you need is support, and I am 100% feeling the support from the Feel Bad Club, our Spooko community. Guys, yes. thank you so much. You know we're in our friendship era. And I just want to make a correction of something mm. we spoke about a couple of episodes ago. I also have to do one to keep mine on the agenda. Shag, good honesty, good accountability. No, it's accountability, it. right? And it's yeah. not even like, you know, it's like this this podcast comes off the dome. We <laughs> we are rattling through life and every now and then we step off the shit coaster just to record an episode of this show. And sometimes the facts we have aren't right because we don't have, you know, we don't have chat GPT mm. hooked up to our brains yet. Yeah. But but so a couple of episodes ago, mm. you asked me whether Joss Whedon was a bad guy, and I was like, no, actually, he gave this really good apology, and oh, it's been held shit. up. Is the update that he's... No, okay, no, yeah. no, 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 no. The update's even funnier. And, oh. and I was like, no, this apology was held up as the way to be accountable in the Me Too era, and it turned out, and again, thanks to Abby, who was listening and was like, mm. like, and, and everybody who corrects us, they're never dicks about it. It's always like, hey, like, totally your friend. I think you've got this wrong. And I'm always like, thank you so much for letting us know. So I was just mixing Joss Whedon up with Dan Harmon. I, I was just completely mixing two people up. So Dan Harmon was a bad guy, terrible guy, preyed on young women in his writing teams, properly made people like basically fall off their career paths. Like, you know, bad stuff, made a proper apology, made made amends. Abby made a point where it's like, you know, it was an apology that made me cry. So she was like, yes, like, absolutely, Dan Harmon. It's like, Joss Whedon has not taken any accountability. Oh, sick. I'm, ple- I'm pleased we're on the record of still being like, fuck you, Joss Whedon. Yeah, okay. 
Eat shit, Justin. My favorite thing is when I can sick you on someone, I can be like, no, Peach, <laughs> follow your instincts, go wild. <laughs> like, uh, now, I've got suddenly give an apology in my own check. I've been doing some reflecting. Ooh. And Ooh. I think the surgery is the new sex take I had was, broadly speaking, somewhere between that's fucked and that's dumb, right? Shag, genuine question, and I've got my view, but I don't want to pollute your thinking. Was I guilty of kink shaming? No, only because mm. I think the way they were talking about surgery, oh, actually, maybe. It's tough, right? Because they were almost completely replacing sex and sexuality with surgery. But yes. but But you're right. Because there's that one point where she unzips his stomach and fillets his inner organs. So, I mean... But the concept's weird as well. Sorry, I'm interrupting, please. No. Because, like, I've been thinking about this a lot. The the concept is weird because you made a really good point that's, like, the reason why we don't have heaps of surgery is not because it hurts. (laughs) Like, that's... I mean, that's a really important point you made, and it's valid. But the other thing is, is I, I feel like they say surgery is the new sex... But I think what they convey, what they show is surgery is sexy now. It's like the old sex exists and now surgery's the primary thing. Yeah, but nobody's having the old sex, it sounds like, because our character was, remember our character was like, I don't know how to have the old, and everybody was a bit like, how do I kiss? What does kissing mean? (laughs) But if a guy shows up with heaps of ears, they're like, sick. Let, get me my camera. <laughs> this is like, but then it's like, so watching surgery is sex, or like performing it or like. No, but, but let's go back. Let's go back to we, yeah. what we were talking about mm. with ghosts last week. Can we do 13 ghosts one time soon? We'll do it. We will do it. Let's go back to, let's, let's go back to ghosts. The what we were talking about, you know, of what we were talking about last week and mm. the arguments I've been having with people where I'm like, these arguments don't matter because ghosts aren't real, so we're, we're not arguing about anything <laughs> concrete, so it's meaningless, right? And it's the mm. same thing. It's like, can you kink shame a made-up world where surgery is the new? Like, can you? Like, does kink well, shaming exist when it's well, not real? I've got a, I've got an answer for this, right? Okay. Of, let's say I had a, I, I, I had a kink that, that, like, this is my analogy that there is a, um, a kink or like a sexual enjoyment for like. I think, and I'd like, I know so little about this. I don't want to say like Japanese culture, but I'm just going to fucking offend everyone and say that. That I understand is like cat or like animal inflected, like anthropomorphic creatures. So it's like, it's a sexy woman who is a sort of cat demon or something. And it's like, well, that doesn't exist in real life. I don't like, I, no, I'm pretty sure no, 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 demons. but people in real life. Have that kink. I guess my point is it's like. Yes. And so am I kink shaming the characters? I'm very happy to kink shame the characters in the film, but there might be people who watch the film who go, ooh, ooh, (laughs) this is pretty exciting. I don't want to kink shame any viewers of the film. And that's the apology I want to make. I'm happy to kink shame the characters in it. But there could be viewers of the film who are like, Cronenberg's done it again. He's doing something to me. But. But, but uh, yeah, look, and I mean, mm. I, I think this is fair. And this, mm. the accountability here is really interesting. But, I mean, is it kink shaming? You're not being like they're bad and wrong for doing that. It's kind of like mm. being like, isn't it weird that people have oral sex? 
Like, I think I was mocking it in fairness, Jack. I yeah. was like, they'd be like, oh, it's not the same as Mario Kart. No. <laughs> yeah. I've never been All right. So All right. I, I take that. I take that. I accept your accountability. Um, I, accountability, best friends forever. Best friends forever. <laughs> Life sucks. Every, no, we have, I have a Life wonderful family that I love, mm. good things happening, a podcast that I love. A feedback mm. club that I love, you know, like things are things are good, things are okay. But Got okay, new t-shirts. I ordered off the internet, fit perfectly across the shoulders. Fuck, that is me. so tough. What that is, is so tough, homie. What's good? People don't talk enough about mm. how there is no standard shoulder size in male identifying t-shirts. Yep, I'm there. Just doesn't I'm exist. The life right now. Doesn't exist. Our shoulders can do anything, and when you get, but when you get, it fits the shoulders. Not too tight on the old, you know, growing Dun-dun. older tummy. Yeah. Oh, oh, what? And they're not too tight on the sleeves as well, so it doesn't get instantly sweaty in the Australian summertime. Not to get too deep into body shaming, Shag. I, like I'm, I'm never going. I've been in drag once, and I'm never doing it again. But it was a very like, like a body image moment of like you, like you're wearing a garment that's designed for a person who's like V-shaped or who has a waist. And my physique, like I'm not the fattest guy ever, but I'm not, nor am I the slimmest guy ever. I'm a very boxy physique. It just goes straight down. And so. If you were a Mario Kart racer, you'd have like high speed and good good stability. (laughs) (laughs) But not great acceleration. I'd be Wario. I'd be Wario. Yeah, because you're not Donkey Kong or Bowser, but (laughs) you're not Toad. Because I think I had real nonna energy in drag. Like Casey, Casey wins a lot. Was was my uh, great was name. My name great time. name. Yeah. Look, thank you. I I can take only like the the muse visited Chad while I was just getting changed. I was like, no, I think this is Casey wins a lot. But had real like nonna energy of like built like a box because I was wearing like a very tutu style dress that sort of went straight down at the sides and then fluttered out. And so you sort of imagine those. <sighs> I don't know, like Disney sort of older, like ageist depictions of like depressing older evil witches, and that's sort of my physique. That's sort of how it looked. So, like, I'm down for I'm down for a bit of body shaming for understanding how not every garment is for everybody. Um, what's going on with our um, horror film podcast? Let's do this. All right. So, mm. pitch today. Can I ask before I tell you the film? Mm. Do you think vampires are scary? <sighs> I've got a follow-up question for you after this. I think, yeah, in, in a broad sense, they're, like, more powerful than you and they want to drink you. Like, I don't like shit being in my neck or, like, I don't like people in my space and the idea of someone... You don't like vampires because of the way they invade your personal space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, so yeah, that does suck. <laughs> I, um... There's someone I work with and Christy doesn't listen to this podcast, so that's fine. But she got it like admitted, which is like a really important thing. And like to congratulate her, because she's been working directly very closely in the team with me. I gave her like a fist bump at her admission. And there's all of a sudden this room at work that I've got a thing about germs. Because <laughs> 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 someone's like, oh Peach, I'd give you a high five, but I know you don't like touching. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, touching's on my number one, but I go, I'm trying to do I can't believe we've already got, maybe we've already got mad. <laughs> Peach, that's so funny. That's so funny, it gave me, 
gave me COVID again. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Gunshot means rewind. I, I've never really found mm. like vampires, werewolves, a lot of the genre staples. I'm like, they're just not scary. Mm. But I saw a vampire film. Again, it was another recommendation. In fact, Can I another- ask you a quick one before you yep, get to it yep. as well? This is my sub one, and it relates back to an earlier topic. Are vampires sexy? Well. You know, it's like, ooh, sexy vampires. I'm like, I don't get it at all. Are they as sexy as surgery, I guess is the sub question. <laughs> no, yeah, vampire sexy is weird. This film kind of does that. Like, it's actually yeah. interesting. This is like, this film has so many different influences. At parts, I thought I was watching like Bridgerton or something, but okay. it's it's weird. But I had to do it because number one, it was, again, it was Friendship Homework. It was suggested by Feel Bad Club from Francesca again. Great suggestion. Thanks, Francesca. From a director who came up in Sydney, actually, from Western Sydney originally, uh, now lives in the States, but originally from Western Sydney, Jessica M. Thompson. Today, we are doing the 2022 American vampire film, The Invitation. I'm having this phase where, like, I think I imagine the analogy is going back to an ex who wronged you or something where just for some reason, now that I know I'm like, okay, cool. I am not allowed to listen to Kanye anymore. And I never will. Like all like the Kanye songs. I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the ones that come back, are like not huge hits was like the one from, um, 808. It's a baby. Don't worry. Oh my God. It. Um, Baby, Robocop, Robocop. Do you wanna make your life alone? I'm like, oh can't do that. And um the one from College Dropout that's like When it comes to being true, at least true to me. There's that spoken word that's like, I will never let you down. And I'm like, ugh. Never listening to that song again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the invitation trailer. Let's get it. Come on, Jessica. Let's hit it. It's so funny when they do a trailer for the trailer at the start. They're like, "Fucking get ready for this trailer." <laughs> it was always just my mom and me to have a family. That's what I really want. No way. I got a cousin. That is the whitest man I've ever seen. He wants to meet up. Oliver? Cousin Evie. <laughs> it sounds so Jane Austen when you say it like that. <laughs> you know, my mom always wanted to take me to England to learn about our family history. There's a wedding coming up, actually. You should come. I would love to, but I... Come on, everyone is dying to meet you. Uh... Wow, it's incredible. I believe this is one of our important guests. Evie, this is a close friend of the family, Walter DeVille. Uh, hi. Hi. Looking forward to getting to know you better, Evie. What are you doing down there? Miss, you should return to your room. (gasps) (laughs) Here she is. Where are the bride and groom? As you all know, there has been someone missing from this table. But that once broken bond will be renewed tonight. To Eve, my new bride. I want to go home. But this is your home. I'm so glad you've come to your senses, my love. 
Sick, 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 sick. Shag, do I know every single thing that happens in the film just from watching the trailer as well? I'm like, yep, got it, sick. Pretty much. I mean, the film is based on Bram Stoker's Dracula. So this is a story that's essentially been repeated by every TV show and art. Like, you know, like it's it's such a well-known story. But I've got to say, I have to say, like, while the film, I think, is, like, a little bit underdone and not as scary as it could be, the story itself I thought was awesome. Oh, that's chilling, isn't it? You're, like, abducted forever. Well, I mean, like, okay, let's talk about because I think it because I think it is really cool. So, as I said before, it's directed by a director originally from Sydney, now based in, I think, L.A., was in New York, now based in L.A., has a, has a weird sort of filmography before this, made a TV show that was on one of the streaming services here in Australia called The End about assisted dying, which kind of sounds really interesting. This is her second feature. Before this, she made a pretty well-received smaller indie film about a woman who's assaulted and then the six weeks following and, you know, the snowballing effect that assault has and the trauma from it has on her life in the immediate aftermath. And so she's pretty much new to horror and there aren't that many vampire films around. So it's kind of refreshing. I haven't seen a film like this in a long time. It also stars Natalie Emmanuel, who, Peach, you've never seen Game of Thrones. This doesn't mean anything. But she played uh, Khaleesi's main servant. I can't remember. There were too many characters. I can't remember anyone's name. But Khaleesi, who's like the main character, the the queen of the dragons or whatever, Mm. had like... A, a, like a freed servant who was her like confidant and this character ended up falling in love with this eunuch and all of this stuff happens. Anyway, she was a big player in Game of Thrones and if you've seen Game of Thrones, she's in this film as the main character. I haven't. So yeah. I, yeah, I'm like, it sounds awesome. <laughs> all right. Okay. So in New York City, struggling mm. artist Evelyn Evie Jackson makes mm. a living freelancing for a catering business with her best friend Grace. So Evie is our classic final girl, a bit of an every person character, not really a lot of personality because she's essentially proxy for the audience. Grace is the sassy best friend. and Come on, Evie, when are you going to date again? Yeah, and almost like Rob, like this is the thing. This is what I find really interesting about this film. Mm. Totally it's interesting the way that it draws from other other genres so totally like like an absolute like rom-com best friend kind of reminds me of get out like how in get out his best friend was the comic relief it's sort of like that anyway so evie like we find out that she's recently sort of become an orphan so she takes a dna test and i think it's really interesting making one of those like send off your blood to find out who you are sort of things dna tests as like something a little bit suspicious and villainous in a film. Like, I think that's a great place for a horror film to start. Or do you think it's irresponsible? Yeah, like, there's a degree, like, often the whole thing of, it's like, look out if you're going to adopt someone because it could be orphan. But, but, well, It's like, look out if you're going to get your DNA tested. You know what? There's two things. Number one, I I kind of think taking those tests is kind of irresponsible. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, real talk. Well, I kind of like, I'm a bit like, what are you doing? Like, I work with companies. I work with companies and I work with people who look at people's personal data all the time. 
And yeah. no, no one's no one's bad, but everybody is producing more data about themselves like every second than they think they are. Like unless you work in these fields, you do not know how much data you're you're creating every time you're online, every time you look at your phone, every time you have your phone and go somewhere. More often than not, you're creating data points that don't necessarily link directly to you, but link to you as an abstract, anonymized concept. Yeah, how it's like your car is now like, oh, should we drive back to home? This is how close it is to home. And I'm like, car, I never told you. That's where I live. It's like that, right? So, so for me, I'm like sending off your blood. Like part, like part of me is like paying I'm, someone to take your data. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit weird. Mm. But also the orphan thing. There's a lot of really interesting orphan discourse at the moment and like adoption and how the narrative was always the the adoptive parents are the saviors but now a lot of kids are growing up especially kids who were brought up in cultures that aren't you know theirs or or aren't the cultures of their parents Mm. being like the the experience was actually not great and do you know what i mean so it's like like anyway so i i think that that whole space is interesting, and a lot of people are talking about it. And the, we are as well. It's awesome. So yeah, we're joining into it just yeah, by mentioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, going going crazy. God, like this is this is like it's yeah. been a while since mm. we've had an episode that I was like, this could fall off the rails at any moment. <laughs> like honestly, honestly, I'm, how how long has it been? Like we've been pretty tight lately, right? We do like we, a half hour, thirty five minutes. Streak since about yeah. episode one five two one five three. Yeah. I remember episode one fifty happened, and I was like, oh, "What was that?" Like something weird happened with episode one fifty. But since about like one five two one five three, I've been like, "Are we ever going to fall off?" And here we are, Jack. We're in the episode where we're falling off. I mean, I can bet. Like, I can't laugh without coughing at the moment. <laughs> and and you probably know us now well enough mm. from listening to this show mm. to know that we're the sort of people that don't take mental health days. That's just not like like you went so, through your self care so era. You went through yeah. your self care era, and like I think that was you know I think that probably stopped you from dying. So I'm glad that happened. But yeah, like we we have lost. Well, I'm back. I'm back out of my self care. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is I think I think it's wild that mm. we've been tight for so long and this is the first episode in a while where I'm like it's it's it feels like chaos it feels like anarchy I don't know what's yeah. happening can I, I go get a beer shake no I mean yeah, like <laughs> I yes know. but let me let me get know. back to let me get back to the yeah. synopsis because this is the only thing holding this episode together at the moment <laughs> right <laughs> Okay, so maybe going mad as this episode never ends. Maybe we're just doing this for us. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Maybe we're still in this episode. Like right as you listen to this, we're still in this episode. This is like how this podcast is my favorite thing, but just occasionally is like the worst. (laughs) (laughs) You just get that when editing and stuff. I'm just being like, oh, I'm like, how many times do you want to cough? All right, okay, all right. So, look, Evie takes a DNA test and discovers mm. she has a distant cousin in England named Oliver Alexander. She meets Oliver, who tells her the scandal of her great-grandmother, Emmeline, who had a secret child with a black footman. He invites her to an upcoming family wedding in England, which she agrees to because she's like, she doesn't really have family. He's like, I'll pay for it. We're so happy to meet you. Mm. It's it's all it all feels very fairy tale at the start, right? Like it doesn't feel sinister. I'm like, yeah, okay. 
right? You, you, yeah. you trust it. And also, yeah. the, the thing that this doesn't mention is the very opening moments of this film involves a young woman breaking out of her room seemingly with, like, superhuman strength, tying a rope around her neck and hanging herself in the middle of a giant manor and being like, this ends with me. Oh, sick, okay. Right. And that, then it cuts to, like, rom-com Evie and best friend sick. Grace living it up in New York. Anyway, okay. So... Oliver invites her to this wedding. He's like, everyone's so excited to meet you. We didn't know we had an American cousin. Why don't you just come along? Like, we're su- I'm super rich. I can just get you on my frequent fly points. It'll be fine. So he, f- he flies her over, uh, presumably in business, because she's like, well, I'm never catching coach again. And she gets to Whitby. You're right. She gets to Whitby, which is the town mm. at New Carfax Abbey where she meets the lord of the manor, Walter DeVille, who's the sexy sort of lead character love interest immediately. Because obviously she like she's not a, like most people are her family, but then mm. she meets the lord of the manor who she's not related to and she's like, ooh, like it's kind of a fairy tale, right? She's being whisked to this like castle mm. in the middle of nowhere. She's an orphan. She meets like a sexy lord of the manor who takes a shine to her. So it's not so much. So it's not so much a family wedding then, but that's okay. <laughs> so she also meets Mrs. Swift, who's a longtime maid of the estate. Mm. She also meets the rest of the Alexander family and the maids of honor, the friendly Lucy and the condescending Victoria. So Magic. Lucy's like, yeah. So Lucy's like, I'm so happy to meet you, and Victoria's like, mm, Is mm. that the dress you'd wear to meet me? Mm. Like, I feel like I'm watching my best friend's wedding. I'm actually having a blast. <laughs> right, right? It's fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah. But Evie gradually begins to notice unsettling occurrences during her stay. She sees an apparition of Emmeline, who, remember, is the woman who killed oh, herself at the grandma. start, yeah. who was shown in a flashback hanging herself from the staircase. Also, there's this really cool bit at the start where they invite these maids, and the maids all look super solemn. And they're basically told by the butler of the house that they have to be like, you know, they can't talk, they can't speak out of line, you know, like, this is really serious. And you think that's why they're all really sullen. But eventually you kind of realize, no, these maids are food. And that's pretty, that's a pretty cool development, right? Like, so maids start disappearing. We don't see this through Evie's eyes. Easy doesn't really know this, but we see the maids one by one. It's like, oh, I need you to clean the library. Oh, I need you to go down to the cellar. So they're separated so they don't know they're disappearing. But Mm. one by one, they're slowly killed by a figure that we never see with, like, long fingernails that snatches them out of the darkness, like, breaks their necks, hangs them, does all sorts of creepy stuff to them. But it's also not a super gory film. A lot of the deaths happen off screen, uh, except for the hanging at the start. So... Evie finds herself romanced by DeVille. So DeVille, they have like a big like welcoming party before the wedding. And the funny thing is everyone's a bit like, she's like, oh, I'm so excited about the wedding between Cece and whatever because she's being told these names and everyone's like, who? And she's like, um, the wedding. And they're like, oh, the wedding. (laughs) There are so many red flags that she avoids, which is kind of a little bit annoying. That's not very Final Girl, actually. Like, real Final Girl would be like, I don't know how I feel about that. So she finds herself romanced by DeVille, including 
she, by like wandering into his study that she's told from the very beginning she's not allowed to go into and finds all the information from the DNA test. So like he's oh, been researching. Yeah. yeah, so oh, he's weird. been researching her. And so she confronts him and threatens to leave. But he's basically like, look, I'm a lord. Real talk. There's lots of status climbers who pretend to be things to come and like get their hands on all my cash. Uh, I had to make sure you were real, but you're the real deal. And I'd love to have sex with you. And so they reconcile and have sex. Mm, Mm -hmm. It is a bit of a la. (laughs) So imagine if they're like they reconcile and have surgery. Like it's a different film. So the next day. That's pretty the- funny, Shaq. Like, I know you're going mad, but just FYI, that's the fun. I'm just trying not to cough, bitch. <laughs> Jesus. It's all episodes falling apart. All right. So the family hosts a rehearsal dinner the following night. And, like, it is proper fairy tale, right? Like, for the first party, he's mm. brought her this gown for her to wear. So she's living this life. Like, she's staying in this beautiful old room in this manor. She's being romanced by the lord of the house, who's, like, a total babe. She's going to these parties. She has all these family that she never knew she had. Up until now, except for the scenes mm. of watching these maids get picked off one by one, it's it's Bridgerton. It's a rom-com. It's, like, it's, it's yeah. the Princess Iris. It's, 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 really, it's really lovely. And then this dinner happens where Evie expects to finally meet the bride and groom. Instead, DeVille announces that he and Evie to be, are to be wed. And she's like, what the fuck? And everyone at the table's like, um, yes, that's what we're here for. And this is where shit gets revealed. And I kind of love this reveal. I'm like, all of this makes sense. You know, in the, if they, if they, expand on this world or somebody takes this story and runs with it, you could make a phenomenal horror film with this. Okay. So she's at the table being like, what the fuck? Why am I marrying you? At this point, the butler, Mr. Field, comes in with a maid, promptly slits her throat into like a carafe on the table. All the blood pours into it and then he pours glasses for DeVille but also Lucy and Victoria. Remember the ha- maids yeah, of honor yeah. who were like one was nice and one was bad? Mm. So it turns out they're vampires as well. Now, there's also like a really cool scene that's not in this Wikipedia synopsis that's like easily the creepiest scene in the film where the two maids of honor is like, come on, let's go have a spa day. Oh, yeah, this is in the trailer. And they go to like like a spa to have a manicure and yeah. the way they film this manicure, so they ASMR the sound effects of the fingernails being cut and, like, scraped. And yeah. just just the way they do it just builds the tension. The whole scene, I was like, what the fuck is going to happen? Of course, eventually, Evie gets cut, and then Victoria, the evil maid of honour, sucks the blood, and is like, ah, classic <laughs> joke. <laughs> what a classic joke. <laughs> He got pumped. <laughs> and I think that's why she then goes and snoops in his office because she's like, something's not right. And that, that explains everything. <laughs> Fuck, that would be really weird, actually. Dude. It would be super what? weird, right? And then to be like, ah, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> Imagine if I did that. Imagine if you cut yourself. I sucked the wound and was like, ah, it's another I'm classic like, oh, Shaq prank. Like, oh. <laughs> you got Shaq pill. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> I feel like actually, if Grace was properly written romantic comedy character, so made in New York, 
her mate in New York would say, mm, all right, uh, go over. But don't forget to take all these various precautions, such as get roaming for your phone and, and all that. Well, she does, right? Like, And she does, and she's like, text me every night, tell me when you're asleep, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's <clears throat> she, she does. Leave your location on. That is that is a part of it. But her okay. character kind of only really features at the start and at the end, and we'll get to where she shows up at the end. So they slit this they they slit this maid's throat, pours the blood into the cups. Deville, Lucy, and Victoria are all revealed to be vampires who then drink the maid's blood. Also, only like three of the million guests are vampires. Well, this is what's cool here, right? This is where it gets fucking cool, right? They're not all vampires. Evie's ancestors, the Alexanders, are one of three families who for centuries have each offered one of their women to become DeVille's wife in exchange for protection and wealth. So DeVille is like as old as time, basically. And these three families in this village each just have to offer up like one woman until that wife dies and then have to offer up another one. And then basically this vampire lord of the manor lets their families be prosperous. I think that is such a good explanation for a vampire movie. I think it's so cool. It shows why they're accomplices. It shows why maybe they're not okay with this, but they're like, we have you, you're just you're a sacrifice, so the rest of us can be okay. It's all about the family. Like it's very clever. I love oh, it. God, that's grim. That's real grim. Yeah, okay. And also, there's like a cool moment where she's talking with the maids of honor afterwards, and they're basically like, it's kind of not that bad. We never grow old. We can go out in daylight. Like, you know, all the things you've heard aren't true. We just have to be vampires. But it's like, it's super cool. Like, and when you think about it, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe it would be okay to just. Forever. No, it would not be okay. Well, no, because they they explain stake in the heart, head chopped off, or burned alive, and they do die. They used to die of natural causes or diseases. But didn't didn't someone hang themselves? Didn't a vampire hang himself at the start of the thing? Didn't Emmeline? That's a really good point, and that makes no sense. So I don't know, but maybe hanging as well, I guess. Maybe everyone's gone mad in the making of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a really good point. I, um, I've got I do no. Think I've, those things must be hard that like you'd be like editing the movie, or maybe you'd be like the day before the premiere or something, and you're like, oh, I'll just watch it one more time. <laughs> like, and you are like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, you'd be watching it with your friend Peach and you'd be like, how fucking good is this movie? I'm really proud of it. And you'd be like, look, great movie, number one. Number yeah. two. I just didn't get that. <laughs> you said, that, but they, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It'd be tough. Making anything's tough, you know? Uh, making this podcast making without this it falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the hardest. How are we going to get to the end of this episode? I, I do actually feel like maybe it's never going to end. <laughs> it's gonna end. Let me let me try it. Oh my god! And it's like the longest Wikipedia synopsis ever. All right, okay, all right, okay. Imagine if you imagine if the filmmakers were huge Spooko fans. I'm like, oh, finally, Shag and Peach are gonna do our film. And this was the episode they ended up with. Oh god. All right. <clears throat> okay. Just, just just for fun. I reckon you should estimate how, how much longer you reckon this episode has to go just for that. <laughs> like, like 20 minutes to half 20 an hour? Minutes. I don't know. Let's go. Let's, let's just try to do this. 14 okay. minutes, I reckon. Right. Okay. So, em- okay, no, no, it does explain it here. Okay. It does explain it here. Okay. Emmeline was originally intended to be DeVille's third bride, but she killed herself due to her guilt of killing humans. And due to the loss of her love, Evie's great-grandfather and infant son. 
No, but it does explain. Sorry, go, yes. Look, Peach, let's not get it. Peach, if you get into the details here, this episode is never going to end. <laughs> just accept. Just accept some things are unexplainable. Preach. Life's a mystery. <laughs> Life's a box I'm, of chocolates. I'm back to thinking, oh, I also miss that Kanye West. Remember Drive Slow? Drive Slow. Oh, that is a good song. Drive Slow. By uh, Nazi, <laughs> which is cool. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. What's that guy's name? Paul Paul Wall. Uh, the- oh yeah, it was oh uh, yeah. Who was it? Was it Paul Wall? It was uh, someone. Anyway, sorry, we should really get back to this podcast. All right, okay, yeah, actually, because it's like she was she was intended to be Deville's third bride, but it does it 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 hints that she's already killed humans, so she probably has yeah. drunk blood. So I and think she, she was superhuman strength. She's yes, yes, she did at the start. She was able to like like vampire her way out of the room. Look, I peach. I don't know. I don't know. I can drive slow, honey. The Alexander family had trouble finding a female member until they found Evie. Victoria locks a frantic Evie inside a coffin, but she is freed by Mrs. Swift, the kindly housekeeper, who is basically like, I've got to let you go. I don't want to do this anymore. And Evie's like, but what's going to happen to you? And she has a really great line, and she's like, I'll get what I deserve, which I think is awesome. Uh. Right, that's great. Because she's like, I'm. Not, I don't care about myself anymore. I've done awful things, but what I can do is do something good and then accept my punishment. I think that's fucking great. Yeah. So, Evie manages to escape the grounds, makes it into town, and asks an elderly couple who reveal themselves to be Jonathan and Mina Harker, who are like basically everyone in the town. Like she's she's kind of a bit of an idiot because it's been explained to her. That these three families rely on this oh, vampire. Yeah. Oh, so she runs into town and be like, guys, these three She's families, like, guys, this is a big problem. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, so basically this this old couple who seem kindly basically call up and are like, We've got her, and then knock her out with a statue. And she wakes up with one of the maids, Imogen and Deville. Deville reveals himself to be Dracula, as he mentions he was once known as the son of the dragon. Evie then watches Deville bite into Imogen's leg and falls unconscious. Upon waking up, and this is also a really cool shot. Upon waking up, we can't really see what's happening, but then eventually we realize we're looking through like a thick veil and we realize we're doing the POV of her walking down the aisle of this like underground dark black church as this like evil marriage is happening. And she's basically being forced to marry this guy. As they finish exchanging vows, she realizes her only way to end this is to get his power and become a vampire. So she bites Deville's arm, which uh, he asks her to do, and then he's a bit like, hang on, not to save some for the rest of us sort of thing. But she instantly transforms into a vampire. She then gets all the candles. Is that, that, is that these vampire rules? So these vampire it? rules are he's the master vampire. He can turn yes. you into a vampire. If he dies, you lose your vampire powers. But, of course, if you're like a two or a 300-year-old woman who's been alive forever, then you obviously uh, instantly die, right? Yeah. Yes. So. But so, and so she, so the va- vampire rules always interest me. And so by drinking his blood, she turns into a vampire. Yeah. But her way out, and it's kind of clever, is I take his blood, I then kill everybody, including him, and then 
I stop being a vampire, and then it's a happy ending. Yeah. Right? So, okay. She consumes his blood, instantly transformed into a vampire. She then, because it's like a dark, evil wedding service, there's like candles everywhere. So she instantly knocks over all the candles and sets the place on fire because it's also covered in velvet, which I imagine catches fire pretty easily. Stuff to light stuff on fire with candles. They don't. Burn <laughs> they don't. Yeah, that's like, a really even, good point. Even lighting stuff you really want to light on fire is not the easiest. Starting a pizza oven. Like, I watch Adele do it because oh, yeah. she is the man of the house. And, like, it's tough. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah, sorry. That's an unfortunate way to phrase it, Chuck. That is an unfortunate way to phrase it. Uh, that's all right. You've gone, you've gone mad, so that's fine. I've gone mad. I've gone mad. <laughs> All right, okay. Do you have any views about minorities, Shag? Or oh, God. About oh. World War II or whether any of... Oh, God. <laughs> have you been shagbilled? I've been shagbilled. Oh, fuck. Shag-built. I have been shagbilled. This is the, like, I can't, like, this is going to be one of those episodes where when I edit, I don't, I won't know if it's the worst episode ever or if it's, like, actually it's genius. It's probably the worst. <laughs> but I don't know till I edit it. Right now yes. it feels like the worst, and I'm really sorry. I think leave it in, Jack. Okay. Leave it in. Okay. All right. Except okay. For your troubling views you expressed. Yeah, maybe maybe that. Okay, I'll take that out. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> she sets the wedding chapel on fire, stabs Deville in the heart, which rapidly ages him, and flees with Dyer, one of the maids who she's managed to befriend. An enraged Victoria, who was like the evil maid of honor, ambushes Evie, who is helped by Dyer. After Dyer flees. Victoria attacks Evie again before Lucy intervenes. This is a really weird one. Like, Lu- Why haven't they rapidly aged as well? They only recently made vampires. Well, no, because, see, DeVille's not dead yet, as we're about to find out, right? Okay. So Victoria's like, you've ruined it all. Like, this is a great life. But then Lucy, who's the nice maid of honor, then attacks Victoria. Is like, no, this has got to end. And somehow Lucy manages to impale them both on a spear, and then they turn into dust. The ending kind of sucks in this movie. Like, I really like it. I really like the story. But the ending just falls to pieces like this episode did very early <laughs> on. Shortly thereafter, Evie is attacked by Field, who is the butler wielding a spear, who states that he wished he had killed her grandfather and grandfather and grandmother before she kills him. Like, and there's a bit of element because Evie's like a POC. There's a bit, there's like definitely an element of racism through this whole thing where it's like she's probably not going to be accepted. But she manages to kill him by breaking off the spearhead and stabbing him in the chest. She's then chased by a wall-crawling Deville who grabs her by the throat, but she breaks free by severing his wrist with cutting wire, which is a very, like, it's basically the scene from the audition. <laughs> she basically Ooh. uses the cutting wire to cut <laughs> off his wrist and then kicks him into the flames. As he burns alive, she loses her powers due to his death and reverts into human form. Evie escapes as the manor is engulfed in flames. Which, again, would be enough of an ending. I'd be like, oh, that was kind of dumb, but okay. But then the end, this is this is the worst, and this is when it reverts back to, like, rom-com territory. There's Grace like, hey, how did it go? She's like, oh, don't even talk to me. Wait, it. wait. So two uh, weeks later in London, Evie and Grace have tracked down Oliver, who's preparing to flee after having paid off the police. So basically, like, all of the, the, the families who didn't die in the yeah, fire... Okay are all fine, and they're going to just keep doing what they do. So Evie and Grace have tracked down Oliver, intending to kill him for being complicit in the murders committed by the vampires. And there's, like, as they're walking in, 
Grace has a baseball bat and Evie's like, how did you get a baseball bat in England? And like, it's like, what? Of course I'm going to like, it's just like, it's so tonally weird. And it's, I guess it's a fitting ending for a film that falls apart and an episode that falls apart. Peach, that was the invitation. I was expecting an end similar to Mission Impossible 1 where do you remember how like Tom Cruise and the computer hacker just like just went and got a beer? I'm like, Phew, that was a pretty crazy mission. <laughs> that was a pretty impossible mission. Yeah. Is that how it ends? Do they just go and get a beer? I'm pretty sure it is. And they meet up to like, will we have some more adventures together? It's like, mm, who knows? I'll, I expect to assemble a team every so often and maybe you'll be on it, maybe you won't, and we'll just have to see anyway. And then some amazing, like, 90s song plays. I think, like, Linga plays or something like that. <laughs> and check out, like, I, I just, uh, you know, what what Nazi song, like, should, should like, is it Carmina Burana that, that I guess would play us out? Or is there a Kanye song you'd wistfully think of? Oh, Paige, God, no. Um, thank you for getting through this episode with us. Please keep your suggestions for films to cover coming in. Uh, I'm really appreciating them all. So many films that, you know, so many films that we haven't thought of to do or have missed. It's been really um, helpful. Shout out, shout out, Francesca. Shout out everyone so far. If you've been shag-pilled, I'm sure there's, like, reprogramming spots you can go to. But um, apart from that, Shag, just hit us with five artists we should be listening to uh, over Kanye. We should be finding all of Andre 3000's old verses. Oh, Um, like... And Tony Yayo's album is really Like, cool. literally everyone. But actually, you know what's actually really cool? And I'm going to mm. leave you with this because this is actually pretty cool. Mm. I've spent a lot of this week watching uh, American and British rap fans reacting to Australian hip-hop and not the shitty Australian hip-hop that's made by, like, white people from the suburbs who'd be super embarrassed if they ever mm. had to have their music played in, you know, America or the UK. But, like, the uh, you know, the, the drill artists who are actually doing amazing things was that just a huge shot at Illy? Because I'm really down for that. Wasn't he a lawyer? Yeah, I think so. Like, he fucking sucks. Anyway, sorry. This is a tough... You, you know what's really fun? But, but anyway, so there's a really good mm. playlist on Spotify right now called A1, which is oh, like... A1's great. It's like an Australian... Like, it, it features a lot of really interesting Australian and New Zealand hip-hop. So I'm a big fan of that. But also, how funny is it when we have one of these episodes that falls apart... And we're not, like, confident in how it ends. So we're like, damn, Yeah, no. normally it's like, yeah, it's fucking Kobe. And it's just really shit. And I'm like, that, that's normally a callback to something. You know, yeah. You mentioned Kobe earlier. Yeah. Uh, how crazy is 50 Cent's book, Shag? <laughs> it's a crazy old book. We'll see you next week. I, I promised, promised to, oh, shit. We should have ended, we should have ended our tours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? When it comes to being true, true Going mad's fun. Maybe we should go mad. I am going so fucking mad right now. (laughs) (laughs)